Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Good morning, everybody. My voice is almost back. Not all the way. But in uh, no small part due to the fact that I had uh, four basketball games to do play-by-play of. And then also yesterday was my older son's seventh birthday party, which I say we're doing a family party. And people are like, oh, nice. How quaint. But that's not how it works in the Bespris household because um, not that anybody really needs to know this. Uh, my grandmother, may she rest in peace, and her sister each started families in Southern California some 80-odd years ago at this point now. And then their multiple children each started families in Southern California some 40-odd years ago. And now their children, which gets to my generation all started families in Southern California. Like, literally nobody left Southern California. So a family party for us is like 35 people minimum. So we're trying to get the pipes warmed up today. Pipes have been a little bit uh, abused over the last three and some odd days. My kid also had this wonderful little league game, but I get a little carried away because I'm also an assistant coach, so I'm yelling at the other dozen kids in the dugout. All that to say, uh, we'll see how the voice holds up today. We'll see how the coughing fits hold up today. You guys are just tracking the Bespris cough. Uh, At some point, it'll probably get better. But in any event, welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. This is a sports ethos presentation. It's Monday. It's the start of week four. Hope your fantasy team is doing great so far. Uh, My Roto teams, not surprisingly, are better than my head-to-head teams. But actually, a few of them are... Everything's kind of hanging in there. I have one head-to-head team that stinks. One that just absolutely stinks. Uh, it's because it's it's more of a points league one. I took a few shots in that league, which is kind of unlike me. And uh, so far, they've been terrible. Oops. That's what I get for going against my own advice. But uh, my Roto teams are, are cooking. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling spry. I got... 11 guys that are inside the top 100 in a lot of those things. And it's just, again, a testament to how easy we can make fantasy basketball when we just follow the principles of simplifying the game. But I don't want to get too far into that. Uh, I do want to celebrate my 30 deep team at some point during today's show that went uh, 8 and 1 and 7 and 2 in its two matchups last week. So a robust 15 and 3. That vaults Team Dan Bespris into second place by a game and a half in uh, the 30 deep standings. Uh, second best record out of all 30 clubs. Let's go, baby. Need this team to stay healthy, though. That's going to be, that's always the thing in those those deals. What's on tap for today is the question that you guys are probably asking. Why is Dan wandering off into his thoughts here at the beginning of the show? Well, because we have a lot of things to cover. Uh, we're going back through the weekend. Sunday was a wild 11-gamer. Uh, we'll do our reverse chronological trip through Sunday, Saturday, and then you know the usual game of did anybody not play on Sunday or Saturday? I, for the life of me, I can't ever bother myself to prep that part of the show beforehand. It's fine, Dan says to himself. He'll figure it out on the fly. And we do, but it's always a little bit embarrassing along the way. 
we also have a short four-game Monday preview. I want to get you guys sort of situated on what to expect from this show over the rest of the week as well. And I'm sure there's some promo mixed in there, but uh, we'll we'll weave that in partway through as we are wont to do because, you know, very classy show around here. Uh, so let's get going. We'll start at the top. And for those that are hanging out with us on YouTube, the chat room is open. We'll see if we have time to get to questions at the end. I'll try to get to the ones that were posted first. So again, good reason to get your questions in there ahead of time. Uh, but I figure this is going to be a relatively long show. So again, time will be uh, of the essence. And we have another show coming up later on today around 2 o'clock Pacific time. So there isn't that much of a gap in between there. Charlotte Hornets lost Brandon Miller partway through this ball game, turned an ankle about 10 minutes in. Uh, LaMelo Ball has finally started to play better, but it hasn't mattered all that much because the team is still not all that good. Ball is number 32 in 9-cat, largely because his field goal percent has been a pretty significant drag, but everything else is about where you'd expect. Maybe the hope that this scoring comes up a little bit farther than it is. Um, but again, this is like, not that far off from what you had to expect you were getting when you drafted him. You drafted him knowing that with his field goal percent, there was almost no chance he could get to be an actual first rounder in nine cat. It had to be with a build in mind. And that build is fine. Because if you knock out field goal percent, and I guess you could knock out turnovers if, if you feel like doing that as well, then he becomes relatively useful, which is sort of a fun way of saying he's a mid-second rounder in that spot which is not all that far off from where he was being drafted but you know damn if you're actually trying to win field goal percent he is going to make that much more difficult when you take a guy like that with your first round pick the other news on charlotte and i'll mention it again mostly in passing uh i know gordon harrod pj washington they had these terrible games i, I don't think pj is actually a, a 12 team rest of season guy and i sort of haven't since the beginning of the season uh, but Gordon Hayward still could be. What we don't really know about him is what his job's going to look like when Miles Bridges comes back, which is now imminent. And the report is that Bridges is just going to get dropped right into the mix, and he's going to be cooking right out of the chute, which, uh, nah. And I've said that before. I, I get it, and I will not pass judgment on if you want to pick him up and have Miles Bridges on your fantasy team, I just personally don't. That's not to say that I think it's like a morally reprehensible decision to put him on your fantasy team because you're not in charge of his punishment. You're not in charge of how the Hornets utilize him. I just think I can win my leagues without him. He I mean, probably ends up being a value if you pick him up and play him because a lot of these guys are not very good based on some of the other numbers we're seeing from the Hornets and the fact that Brandon Miller's out and Terry Rozier is out. There's obviously opportunity sitting there waiting for him. I just think I can win without him. And that way I don't have to root for him. So just making my life easy that way. As far as the Knicks go, uh, another blowout victory for the Knicks. They've had a couple of those in a row, if memory serves, and it's made it kind of hard to get a good feel for Josh Hart. Because he filled in for R.J. Barrett, and he saw big minutes when he was a starter, and he was a solid performer in this ballgame, even if the fantasy stats didn't really reflect that, with only six points, four boards, and a couple of assists. I'm going to basically give him the opportunity to play 30 minutes 
in a closer ball game. So if the Knicks can find themselves in a competitive basketball game, because the last two they've won by 21 and 22 points, uh, and then they manhandle the Clippers, who are flailing right now with James Harden. But the Knicks haven't really had like a true close ball game since November 3rd against the Bucks, and I don't think R.J. Barrett was even in for that ball game. So what I'd like to see, and I'm expecting the game tonight will be a good one. They are in Boston to take on the Celtics. They're in Atlanta to take on the Hawks on Wednesday. One of those two damn ball games is going to be a close one. How many minutes does Josh Hart get? If it's 30, I'm keeping him. If it's not, I mean, if it's close, if it's like 29, I'm probably keeping him too. But if it's like 25, 26, like this ball game was, then I'm probably moving on. R.J. Barrett is one of the easiest sell-high recommendations I've ever given out in my life. He's number 55 in nine-cat right now, and he's shooting way over his head in both field goal and free throw percent. He didn't just magically fix those. I wish he did, but he didn't. The whole, like, you know, a cat showing its stripes kind of thing. R.J. Barrett's been in the league for a while now, and he's never come anywhere near these percentages. It's not like he's doing a bunch of other really good stuff. His defensive stats are low. His rebounds and assists are relatively low. He's floating his numbers right now on good percentages, which has never been his calling card. I don't know what you can get for him. He's ranked 55. Barrett is, like I mentioned. You're not going to get someone else ranked around 55, but you could probably get someone else ranked around 80 or 85 right now. And if you think that someone has staying power in that range, uh, like Brooke Lopez is at 85 and he's a buy low, John Collins is at 86 and he's probably basically that. Terry Rozier is hurt. Maybe you could buy on him. I don't think you can get Jalen Williams for him, but I'd certainly try. That's your target range. Guys that you think are in that 80-some-odd that are either stuck there or maybe even moving up. Do it. Do it now before the wheels come off. And they could come off tonight. Wizards. Oh, the Wizards. All right. So this is one of the teams we probably have to spend an extra minute or two on. And we'll zip through some clubs where there isn't a whole lot happening. But the Wizards, there's stuff happening. Daniel Gafford. Went to the locker room for a thumb injury. He did end up coming back to the ball game, um, but he, again, this whole, like, in and out of the lineup thing for him uh, has been annoying. It's probably the easiest way to phrase it. He's number 115 in 9-cat, and he really hasn't had a chance to play yet, which is sort of the story for different reasons, because Gafford, it's because he's been hurt on and off, but it's also kind of the story for Tyus Jones, and it's kind of the story for Jordan Poole, Although Poole actually played normal starters minutes in this ballgame and then fouled out in 32 minutes. And then for Kyle Kuzma, who's been one of the few guys on the Wizards that has mostly seen minutes, he's we finally saw a little bit of the cooldown for him yesterday. So let's start with Kuzma because he's the easy one. He he was a sell high coming into this ballgame yesterday. I've been yelling about that for a week. He's still a little bit of a sell high because he's still above his career marks and percentages even if I think the usage stays relatively constant at this higher mark, he's still liable to fall a little bit farther. So, I mean, and he's kind of in that same range with, who the hell were we just talking about a second ago? R.J. Barrett? Because they're scoring a bunch. You can probably get some stuff. I think I'd rather have Kuzma than Barrett. So maybe that's a guy you could exchange him for. Uh, But almost all the other guys around Kuzma on the board are guys that I would rather have. Keegan Murray is a great, still a buy low. He's still only shooting 36% from the field. OG Ananobi's in there. D'Angelo Russell. Draymond Green. 
who's playing pretty well so far this year. Shout out to Draymond. I know he's missed some games, but Clint Capella, I doubt you could get him, but Nurk probably won't be enough. Brooke Lopez, same thing like we just talked about. So Kuzma's a sell high, which is intriguing because everybody else on the team is either a buy low or a stay the hell away. Jordan Poole has been a wreck in every sense. He's number 175, and he was drafted near 40. One of the biggest busts of the first three weeks of the NBA season. I feel very good about the fact that I drafted him in zero nine-category leagues because this was the fear. Not necessarily that the Wizards were going to get blown out every single ball game, but just that the bottom wasn't going to actually be there for him. He was the high-variability fourth round pick on the board where I mean maybe things clicked and maybe he took 23 shots a game and shot 45 percent like it was two years ago or maybe he didn't get as many shots as we thought and maybe he didn't get the open looks he got in Golden State and maybe you get this cow pie of a start I think it's pretty fair to say that he'll be better than this going forward dude shooting 77 percent at the foul line that's not a number that's going to stick Steals and blocks have started to come down closer to where you'd expect them to be. Remember, he started the year with a really high number there. And I also still feel like 14 and a half shots is exceedingly low for him. I know he only took 12 in this last ball game. Denny Avdia was actually the guy out there kind of going chucking. I, I got to think that Poole at some point says F this and starts taking 15 to 20 shots a game. But I guess we don't really know for sure. So then it's the other half of the question, which is, if I'm buying low on Jordan Poole, what am I even willing to give up? Because I never thought he was going to get to 40. And someone spent a fourth-round pick on this dude. So they're not going to sell him for pennies after three weeks. Could you get him for Kyle Kuzma? Probably. But do you want to? I don't even know. I'm actually leaning towards just not dealing with the Jordan Poole thing at all. In fact, if you buy on Jordan Poole, it's probably just to try to catch a heater in a bucket or between your two hands. You want to just, like, snap it up like a lightning bug. And then as soon as Jordan Poole gets hot, send him off. Trade him for someone else. Tyus Jones had one of the worst games of the year. He pulled himself a Kyle Lowry in this one, uh, and that's real bad. He has now fallen to 147, and his minutes are down to 26. And they're just, I mean, he was bad in this ball game. Not only that, they're just like, he's not heavily involved in the things that are happening, probably because he's out there with Kuzma and Jordan Poole, and now Danny Avdia has taken a, a more prominent ball-handling role. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. 
Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. I'm willing to admit that Tyus Jones probably doesn't get to where you drafted him, around 75 or 80. I thought he'd be relatively safe in that zone, actually. So right now I feel like I'm wrong on him. Now things could come around for Tyus. He, like Poole, hasn't really been able to get normal starters minutes to this point, and that could still change. Uh, but as we saw yesterday, if he's not playing well, he got replaced. And as we saw like two or three games back, he got replaced. That was Delon Wright a few games back. Delon got hurt. And so now it was Bilal who replaced him. And Bilal had a really good ball game. 20 points, 7 boards, 3 assists, 4 steals, and 4 3-pointers. I know he shot 8 out of 12 from the field, which is not a sustainable number. And played 34 minutes off the bench. Largely because Tyus Jones was... Uh, looking terrible in this ballgame. The starters for the Wizards as a team were god-awful. So, no, I don't think that Bilal is going to get 34 minutes every single ballgame. I think he's probably worth a speculative ad in case the Wizards are just like, you know what? Boom! Set the TNT, end this thing early. But I think you'll see the veterans get at least another month or two because, again, we're only three weeks into the season. So don't expect this this Kulabali thing to stick for now. Uh, but if you want to get out in front of it, I'm okay with that. Just understand that you probably will end up casting him off to the waiver wire at some point. And then for Denny Avdia, just kind of hanging out inside the top 100, and I'm thinking more and more that might just be where he ends up. All right, that was our Wizards break for the show. Uh, let's try to speed through some stuff. Brooklyn got Nick Claxton back, and he was great. 10 points, 13 boards, 4 blocks. I mentioned a possible buy low while he was hurt because someone probably got frustrated. It's not going to happen anymore. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie is not a 12-teamer, even with Cam Thomas out. I don't think he gets there. He's never really had a great translatable fantasy stat set, uh, and here he's just too far down the pecking order. Mikhail Bridges went kind of crazy in this game. He took 29 shots and missed most of them. And this is sort of like the Mikhail you were hoping you wouldn't get. It ruined his percentages. It dropped him like 12 slots in ranks, but whatever. He, like He's fine. You're not going to do anything with him. Cam Johnson, 16 shots. I actually really like that number. I'd love for him to stay in that range. I know Cam Thomas will come back at some point, and that'll screw up the shot distribution, but I got to think that a lot of them would come from McHale in this ballgame. The thing we were wondering on the Nets was, with Simmons out and Claxton back, would any of the wings, sort of the reservey, reservey? Would any of the reservey wings still be good? And Royce O'Neal was pretty good off the bench. Dorian Finney-Smith got the start. It feels very much like those guys will flip-flop because Dorian had foul issues and Royce was just playing better. I think they'll mix and match, and I would be inclined to say both of those guys now fall more into the schedule play zone as opposed to when uh, Claxton was out, Dorian Finney-Smith was very much above the cut line for that, whatever that was, two weeks. Clippers lost to the Grizzlies. That's when you know things have gotten bad this year. Memphis uh, finally gets their second win of the season. Clippers are now 3-6. and six. They've lost all five games. Has it been five with Harden or four? How many games has James Harden played? Four. They lost the game before him as well. They've lost all four games with Harden. Uh, interestingly, James Harden has been pretty efficient so far for the Clippers, but he hasn't really exerted himself. And, I mean, it, boy, I knew the learning curve was going to be rough. I didn't think it was going to be this rough. Paul George has tumbled out of the first round. Uh, 
Kawhi Leonard has tumbled into the fourth round. Harden is also in the fourth round in his sort of limited minutes so far, or his limited uh, usage so far. Russell Westbrook has tumbled down to the end of the sixth round after a hot start. His numbers being floated by two steals per ball game. This is as I mentioned, and there was pushback, which I thought was kind of insane. They were like, "How do you, how do you call it a buy low on all of these superstars?" I'm like, "Cause I know what's going to happen." Because the moment we heard that James Harden was back, it was a sell high, because people were like, "Thank the good, whatever, he's back." But then you knew there was going to be this adjustment period with all of these guys. And so that was when you sort of dug in and said, all right, how can I acquire these dudes on the cheap? When am I going to be pulling the trigger on that trade? I think you could probably get Kawhi for pretty cheap right now. Paul George would still cost you a little bit. He had seven turnovers yesterday, but his other numbers were pretty good in the loss to Memphis. Um, I don't know that you want Russell Westbrook necessarily, because at some point I feel like they probably split Westbrook and Harden up. But who knows? Maybe they don't go that route. Um, but you'll probably be able to get most of these guys for pretty cheap, either now or in the very near future, and that's the way I would look. But Memphis got a win, which they very much needed. Um, Desmond Bain has been really, really good so far this year. No no issues there. Um, where is he at? Middle of the second round, number 19. Uh, Marcus Smart was a little better in this ball game. JJJ had a rough one, and they won anyway. I've been keeping one eye on Luke Kennard. It feels like this is probably where they're going to let him sit, though. 24 minutes and a few, knock down a few three-pointers, so we can probably move on from that. Got a few Jacob Gilliard questions. He played 24 minutes as the starting point guard, had three assists and three steals, but, like, if he's just going to stand out there and hope to get some steals, that's not going to be enough for me to make a move on it. And then the Bismarck Biombo experience has been good so far, but then he did the thing that I was worried he would do, which is at some point, during the Biombo adventure, he's going to go out there and he's going to take a wet dump on a percentage or both. And he went three for seven at the free throw line in this game, which didn't completely ruin his night because he still had 12 boards and three defensive stats and five of six from the field. But this type of stuff happens with him. And typically the field goal percent, which is usually decent, like as soon as he tries to do too much, that comes off the rails also. All that to say, I'm fine if you want to stream Biombo. I'm also fine if you want to just not deal with it. That's all okay. Philadelphia, Indiana. This was a fun one. Teams combined for about 270 points. 263. All right, fair enough. Whatever. I rounded up. Tyrese Halliburton, 25 and 17. Miles Turner, 22 points, five boards, a steal, and three blocks. I mean, everybody was piling up numbers. Turner, by the way, is into the 20s in 9-cat now. But ain't nobody touching Tyrese Maxey's line, who's now the number two player in all of fantasy sports. Some of that is because he's at 1.1 turnovers per game. But you know what? That matters in 9-cat. 50 points, 7 boards, 5 assists, 3 blocks, 7 three-pointers, 20 out of 32 shooting, and 3 for 3 at the foul line. Wow. So look, I thought Maxey was going to be good this year. Said this on Friday. Had no idea he was going to be this good. Kids turned himself into a superstar. Like, I thought we'd be able to get him in the 40s, and he'd be in, like, the 20s, maybe 30s in a bad whatever. Number two? Behind only Anthony Davis? That's pretty insane. Pretty insane. I think, so, 
know, some of this stuff probably isn't sustainable for him. The high block number probably comes down. The 50.5% shooting on 20 shots per game, I mean, maybe. You know, he's been pretty efficient in the past. Five boards, seven assists, 38 minutes a night. That doesn't feel like a number that should stick all year. But also, it's a Nick Nurse team, so he plays his guys. I think if you could sell Maxi and get someone in the top 15, you probably do it. But I don't know that I sell for anything behind that right now. He really looks like he's someone that could just stick and be awesome. Now, as much as I want to stop and continue to talk about Tyrese Maxey, we got to talk about the stuff that's more fringy because that's where you can get an edge at this point. And that is, again, nobody's minutes are secure in Indiana. I had a few of you guys on Twitter yelling at me that I was too low on Benedict Matherin. I don't believe that to be the case because, again, he wasn't quite as good in this ballgame, and so immediately his minutes got yanked around by Carlisle. Like, the second he wasn't good. That's just the way things are in Indy. There are three guys on that team that get to play. Halliburton, Turner, and Bruce Brown. Those are the only guys in my mind that are really safe on rosters. And then Buddy Heald is kind of your stash and hope that he gets moved guy. But that's it. As far as Philly goes, we had some really sad news over the weekend. Or, I mean, I guess it could have been worse. But pretty crummy news over the weekend um, about Kelly Oubre Jr., who was hit by a car while walking in Philly and ended up in the hospital... Luckily, he was released pretty quickly, but um, a number of broken ribs, uh, hip injury, uh, like pretty significant stuff. That's going to keep him out for a while. That's the word is that it's, you know, extended time, I think is what both Woj and Shams referred to, which means we got to try to capitalize on that. As much as it sucks that it happened, Philly's going to try to figure out how to fill in the around the edges. And day one... Without Kelly Oubre, it was a little more DeAnthony Melton and a lot of more Nick Batum, who, I'll admit, I don't think stays healthy for all that long. But this is the Batum we saw with the Clippers also. When he reliably got 30 minutes, he was a top 60 fantasy play. It's just that it didn't happen for more than two weeks at a time because he ended up with some sort of knee or hip or back thing because he's old as a mofo and it'll probably happen again here but you know what I don't care because until that time I want him on my fantasy team someone was like what's the upside with Batum and I'm like the upside is that he freaking does everything besides score all that much he hits threes at a high percentage which is great won't hurt your percentages we'll give you three pointers he can rebound I find it Actually freaking amazing he didn't get an assist in yesterday's ball game because he does pass well. He gets steals. He gets blocks. He doesn't turn the ball over. He gets you eight out of nine categories. It's just the one he doesn't do is the one that everybody pays attention to, which is points. Forget the fact that he's a punt points darling. He's good enough even if you're not punting points. So I think Batum needs to be added everywhere as the Kelly Oubre fill-in. And it's possible that there are days where maybe he's not as good and, and someone like a Rob Covington or Pat Beverly or Furkan Korkmaz sees additional playing time. But it does sure look like, and that's the thing with Nick Batum, once he also finds his guy, he tends to stick with it. We are moving slowly today. Uh, I don't know, we're like four or five games into this thing. I got a long way to go. My voice is already tired. So we got to pick up the pace a little bit. 
Chicago beat Detroit 119-108. Kevin Knox had a nice scoring game, but he shot 7 for 8. You can basically ignore that. Alec Burks is someone I would pay attention to. He was actually doing a lot before he got hurt. Um, And immediately, Marcus Sasser's minutes got slashed. And this is what I said. When Jaden Ivey and Alec Burks come back, you're going to see guys' minutes get chewed up a little bit. So Killian Hayes only got 25 minutes. He fell on his face. Marcus Sasser, 20 minutes. That's not enough. Um... Cade obviously playing a ton. No Jalen Duran, so then you have this do I bother with Marvin Bagley and Isaiah Stewart thing? The answer is maybe. I think I'd probably trust Stewart more than Bagley right now. Uh, and then I think I'm and I remember I'm probably picking up Alec Burks just to see because before he got hurt, he had basically carved out that like 26 to 28 minute bench role. And in that, he was being asked to score a lot because there's no boy on Bogdanovich. And Someone else besides Cade has got to figure out a way to put the ball in the hoop. Asar Thompson only had one defensive stat. He did have 16 rebounds, which is freaking nuts. Um, again, some of that because Jalen Duran's not there. Uh, we know that Asar is going to come down. He wasn't going to stay as a top 40 asset the whole year because keeping up three and a half defensive stats was going to be incredibly difficult. He's still going to be fun, so don't panic on it. But... I, again, this is another thing where I had a bunch of people yelling at me that like I was way too low on the Detroit guards. But it's so easy to forget who's healthy and who's not on these teams. Uh, Kobe White has been a little better lately. He fouled out in 32 minutes of this ballgame. I'm not willing to adjust my bifocals on him yet. He's still typically a bad field goal percent guy who doesn't do much besides get some points and assists. And I get it, everybody wants to hunt assists, but I need more. Simple as that. Zach Levine is a buy low. He's sitting still near the edge of the top 100. You know that'll work its way up. Damar and Vooch have kind of worked their way back to where they belong, basically. Um, So that's sort of the short version on Chicago. Let's keep rumbling. Well, Kyrie Irving has uh, sorted out his season after kind of a slow start. Kyrie's up to number 18. He's still only shooting 46% overall on the season, so that's a number that continues to rise uh, but, yeah, you got no issues there. Luka Doncic in shape, always at the beginning of the season. Dude gets off to a hot start every year, uh, but Dallas looks pretty good so far this season. Derek Lively is probably the only guy you're really wondering about, and he played 26 minutes, and it was okay. So I think my take on Lively is that at the beginning of the year, I wanted to make sure we didn't get passed by with this one. But now I think I've seen enough to say that when the whole front court is healthy, and Maxi Klebo is actually back out for this ballgame, but when the whole front court is healthy, he's probably not a top 100 guy because his free throw is too poor, um, and he's just not going to have enough consistent minutes to get the other stuff he's going to need. Reminds me a lot of like Nick Claxton before he developed and figured out how to stay on the floor for full starters minutes. So maybe he gets there, but I don't think it'll be this season. I think you can treat Derek Lively more as a schedule stream play. Um, but if you wanted to stash, uh, it's, it's still okay. I just don't, don't think you have to. Tim Hardaway Jr. still hanging out just inside the top 100, so keep rolling with him until the wheels come off, which I do think they will eventually, but they haven't totally yet. Wheels have come off for Grant Williams. He's back to being just a schedule play as well. For the Pelicans, it would appear that the lack of C.J. McCollum has been a bigger deal than we expected. There is a uh, sharing issue 
that we're seeing come across Pelicans Twitter. And I admit, I haven't watched a ton of Pelicans basketball live so far this year, so I don't want to jump in and, and throw a bunch of opinions around. So let's just say this. Jonas Valanciunas, whenever he puts up a good ball game, he's a sell high because his minutes are not that high. So when you get the good one, you want to try to cash in on it. In the short term here, Matt Ryan is a streamable threes guy. Dyson Daniels is a really nice fill-in for Herb Jones. When he's slotted in here as a starter, getting starters minutes, we know his fantasy game can translate. So that's good. Uh, Jordan Hawkins is the kind of up-and-down fill-in for C.J. McCollum. I'm inclined to say we probably don't need to be sitting on Hawkins. The percentages, or field goal percent in particular, has been very bad. Uh, the assists are not where we need them to be. The defensive stats are not where we need them to be. I don't think that he's going to be good enough for nine cat. Uh, I'd much prefer to roll Dyson Daniels, but of course, if Herb Jones comes back, uh, then that's then he probably blows that up, and and then you'd want to get Herb back into your lineup. And that's basically where I'm at with the Pellies right now. Denver lost at Houston. Boy, the Rockets are uh, running right now. They lost their first three games of the year, and now they've won six in a row. Now, admittedly, it's been pretty heavily at home so far, so we'll we'll see if they can keep the the good vibes going on the road, but. Man, they are defending, and they are fighting their butts off. Top to bottom, that roster's fighting. But in terms of fantasy stuff, uh, the only two things we were keeping an eye on here, Reggie Jackson was okay, probably deserves a roster spot while Jamal Murray is out. I, I don't think he's going to blow the roof off the building, but I think generally he'll be good enough to start. And then with Houston, I was kind of hoping that Tari Eason's minutes would work their way up from 15 over his first three games back, but he's still stuck between 15 and 20. If you're sitting on Eason, I'd say give him three more games. And if his minutes don't get reliably into the low 20s by that point, then you can probably move on. Because there's really, like, the ramp-up doesn't need to be that long for him. And we've already seen three games, and there has been basically no ramp-up yet. Uh, so, rut row. Meanwhile, Jeff Green is seeing a crap ton of playing time right now. I don't think you need to do anything with it, but... Uh, he's getting a lot of trust against, well, now his old team here. One of his old teams. Um, but boy, kudos to the Rockets, man. They are, they're beating teams. And they're beating good teams. Miami took care of San Antonio on the road. Spurs were a little bit better in this ballgame, efficiency-wise. Keldon Johnson had one of his better shooting games, which you guys know as soon as he has one of those. I say you need to sell He's outside the top 100, even right after this super efficient shooting game. Sell on Keldon Johnson. I don't think you're going to be able to get anything on Jeremy Sohan because he's outside the top 160. He also had a better ball game here. Sell if you can. Uh, Wemby, Zach Collins, those guys you hang on to. Devin Vassell, you hang on to. Miami side, uh, Kyle Lowry sat this one out because I believe it was a back-to-back -back for the Heat. He was the initial big winner with uh, Tyler Hero out and Jimmy Butler out in the previous ball game. Butler was back for this one. Heroes will be out for a little bit longer. Uh, so Duncan Robinson actually was the guy who stepped in and had the better ball game here. Uh, Duncan to me is more of a three-point streamer when the Heat are with everybody other than Tyler Hero. Jaime Jaquez is. If you could guarantee he was playing 30 minutes, I'd say go ahead and add and start him because I love the defensive stats. He has that sort of across-the-board fantasy stuff. It's hard to know that he's going to get 30 minutes every game. Uh, presumably, Lowry's back for the next one. 
uh, and that, that's what makes it a little bit more complicated. So I think I would start Butler, Adebayo, and probably Lowry if the Heat are if those three guys are all playing in the Heat's next ball game. Um, if Lowry's out again, you probably can go Robinson and Hakez, and it's possible that you can even go Hakez if Lowry's back. But I don't think that I'd roll the dice on it in uh in against a games cap. Well, Lou Dort's still getting defensive stats. I don't know how he's doing it. He's got four in this one, but he's on a, a defensive stats roll, and that's keeping his value inside the top 40 so far with 2.6 defensive stats a game, and he's still shooting 50% from the field. He is also a very intense sell high. Problem is that I don't think you're going to be able to get much for him. But, I mean, if you can get anything inside the top 80, I think I would do it. Phoenix, uh, Bradley Beal, this is like the, you got the adrenaline games, then you have the sort of like lull games, but he'll be fine. Kevin Durant's a go. Nurk is typically a go. I don't think that you do much else with Phoenix. And then uh, we'll see what the hell they look like if Devin Booker ever gets back. Booker still only played two games so far this year. That's a bummer. Minnesota. They are good, ladies and gentlemen. Timberwolves are 7-2. and two. They've also won six games in a row. They have also won 5-0 and oh at home. Guys, home court is back in a big way this year. In any event. Um, I think we have enough to, to say that Kyle Anderson is a streamer only this season. Uh, I think we have enough to say that Nas Reed is a go. He's healthy. Mike Conley's a go. And there were really no other questions on the... Timberwolves side. People keep asking me what I think about Jaden McDaniels. I think he's much, much better in real life than he is in fantasy. He's probably going to end up somewhere between 100 and 140 on a per-game basis, and uh, that's fine. I mean, that's probably startable in 14-teamers. I don't know about 12. The Warriors are looking old this year. Chris Paul was bad in this one after a good game the previous one. Draymond's been playing okay. Uh, but Clay's looked really old. I like that Clay got 16 shots at least in this ball game. That's what I need. I need the usage out of him. The shooting wasn't there, but I, the shots are enough for me to hang on to him. Chris Paul's a hold. I think we might be able to drop Andrew Wiggins. I don't know what the hell's wrong with him. I'll say it on every show. There's obviously something broken with Wiggins, but I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's physical or mental or both, but he's broken. And you can try to wait it out, but when you don't know what's wrong then you also don't know how long it's going to take to fix itself. And he is sinking fantasy teams. All right, and that's probably all we need to say about the Warriors. Uh, Portland and L.A., we talked about Skylar Mays a few days ago because the Blazers were off for like three days before this ball game. He's very much a stream because they just have no one else at point guard. Now, he doesn't shoot many three-pointers. He doesn't get many defensive stats. But he gets you a whole lot of assists. And dude got 12. You almost don't care what else he does as long as he doesn't ruin your percentages. 12 assists is enough to start a damn guy. Otherwise, no huge surprises. DeAndre Ayton struggled with Anthony Davis. That is not a surprise at all. Anthony Davis is a behemoth. Sorry, Dominating, you're not at that level yet. Uh, Jeremy Grant is going to get a lot of shots while everybody's hurt. So is Shaden Sharp. I know he had a tougher game with the seven turnovers, but uh, everything else stays basically the same. Matisse Thybul was playing relatively well, I thought, but he only got 20 minutes here for whatever reason, and uh, you can leave him alone. Lakers side is somewhat interesting, although it's worth pointing out that LeBron took this game off, probably figured he was at like, you know, 75-80%, played the long game, 
assumed that his Lakers could beat the Blazers without him, and they did just barely do so. But barely still counts. And what we've gotten out of the Lakers here lately is a couple good games in a row from Cam Reddish. And some of those have been with LeBron. Remember, Cam hit the big shot in the previous ball game, or a few big shots in the previous game, in Phoenix to get the Lakers their first road win of the year. He had 17 points and three steals in that one. He's actually had three steals in three consecutive ball games, and the Lakers are starting to trust Cam Reddish. That said, the Lakers are still without Jared Vanderbilt and Gabe Vincent, and in this one, LeBron James. And those are three guys that are likely to play pretty significant minutes and also guys that are going to give the Lakers more flexibility in whether they go big or small, whether they go defense, whether they go at offense. Cam Reddish ain't playing 30 minutes a game when all those guys come back. So uh, if you wanted to stream him when LeBron was out, that's fine. I'd feel safer, frankly, streaming Rui Hachimura when LeBron is out because he's more inclined to go take shots. I know they both took 10 in this ballgame, but you catch my meaning. Um, as far as, like, rest of season, long-term outlook for those guys, it ain't much. You can drop Christian Wood, by the way. The Lakers have figured out that they can go Cam Reddish, and that's big enough, as opposed to the Twin Towers, which was actually a little bit too big. Because uh, Cam and Rui have actually been doing an okay job of rebounding. Lakers finally won a rebounding battle in this game. And that's kind of what they've been fighting with over these last few contests is figuring out how to not get completely smashed on the glass. We're already 42 minutes into this thing and we haven't even gotten back to Saturday. But at least we've covered 22 of the 30 teams. I want to remind everybody very quickly that you guys can find me on social media. At Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If anybody new is finding this show I would encourage you to please come hang out with me over on social media. I do a lot of work over on Twitter. Also, please like and subscribe. It's super easy. It takes you like two seconds on YouTube to like and subscribe to the Sports Ethos YouTube page. It takes like six seconds to do it on traditional podcasts. It takes a little bit longer to leave a five-star review on traditional podcasts, but I would ask you to kindly do that as well. Please. It actually means an awful lot. Uh, the reason that I can sink so much time into these shows and trying to create more and more and more content is that we're seeing growth. And as long as we see growth, we'll keep rolling. All right, let's get back to uh, the the scores. Um, oh, I forgot to t tell you guys about Manscaped. I guess I'll do that in a minute. I'll tell you about Manscaped in a minute. You know, though, Ethos20, Ethos20 is the promo code over there at manscaped.com. God, they got good stuff. Oh, hey, did you guys get to see that my face looked actually a little bit cleaner? See? Cleaned up my neck like three days ago. It's already starting to come back a little bit. But brought the beard in tight. Looked good for my kiddo's seventh birthday. That's all Manscaped, man. Seriously, that's all Manscaped. They've got the plow, which is the, the straight razor. If you need to clean up something a little bit, uh, not straight razor, it's just like a actual razor blade you need to get a little bit tighter to your face they've got the the shears i need to do my nails today that's going to be happening in a little bit you got the new lawnmower 5.0 ah screw it i just did the manscape read now head over there use promo code ethos20 to get 20 percent off and free shipping on your order at manscaped.com saturday 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 jay crowder strained a groin i had to hover over that one because i forgot what he hurt himself with and that probably means a little bit more Pat Connaughton in the long run. 
Not that it matters at all, really. Uh, Dame was out. Campaign is nothing more than a schedule play because his fantasy game has holes in it. Brooke Lopez is a really big buy low for me. Um, he's been played off the floor a couple of times by teams that are able to attack the drop coverage, but he's also shooting 40%. Uh, so I have all the faith in the world that Brooke will be better than he is right now. And the beauty part is that he's basically right where you drafted him, and he's been terrible. Don't you love a guy whose floor is where you drafted them? I do. I do. Orlando, my Jalen Suggs love continues. I did not expect to be into Jalen Suggs or freaking Karis LeVert this year, but here we are. Suggs is number 67. Um... He didn't do a whole bunch of the across-the-board stuff for this game. He's like, you know what? Today, I'm going to go just score a bunch. And he did. And that was cool also. I told you guys the Goga Mo Wagner thing was going to be a battle for minutes. They almost play the exact same number, like down to within 11 seconds of each other. Wagner is better at per minutes. So if you're going to play either of them, you go Mo. You don't have to. Um... I thought Cole Anthony would be better while Markel Fultz and Gary Harris are out, but he didn't really get a chance to do all that much. So uh, Cole Anthony, schedule stream level guy. Uh, Suggs is a go. Wagner's a, a roll of the dice play. And then Jonathan Isaac, who looked really good actually in 17 minutes of this ballgame. I'm not doing anything with Jonathan Isaac until he clears 20 minutes one game. Like Orlando needs to prove to me that he can play 20 minutes and his limbs won't physically fall to the floor. And then I would add him. Like, on the spot. If he plays 20 minutes and one second in their next ball game, I will add him. 19 minutes and 59 seconds. Maybe not. Toronto. Uh, OG is questionable with a finger cut. Doesn't sound like a long-term thing, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. They also got destroyed in this game. So you saw kind of the drop-off here. Scotty Barnes fell down a little bit. He's still number 11 in 9-cat, though, so it, it wasn't that big of a drop. Uh, Dennis Schroeder. Everybody, it was a blowout loss, so everybody was kind of bad. The guy I'm watching is, is Jakob Pertl, who was actually kind of okay in this game. Uh, 6 out of 10 shooting. But Precious Chu is back, and so I'm a little bit worried on that front. But it's not like you're going to drop Pertl. You just, just hope. He's like... He's that spot where you're just sort of hoping. Celtics, nothing really. I mean, Sam Hauser looks like a three-point streamer these days, but nothing else really. Unless somebody sits out, and then we can play Al Horford for a night. Whee! There's the heat again. Um, Kyle Lowry had a big ball game. That's why we were talking about him when we discussed their game on Sunday. Uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. Bogdan Bogdanovich, no defensive stats in this one. And don't be surprised if that happens like five or six games in a row because his steal rate is out of this world so far this year, and there's just no chance it stays anywhere near where it was. Bogdan, in a best-case scenario, is right around top 100, which is perfectly good reason to hang on to him if you want to, but there's no chance he finishes near 60 where he's at right now. If you can get a top 80, 85 range guy for him, I think I would do it. Sadiq Bey, schedule play at this point. I know Jalen Johnson had sort of a rare off game, but he's the he's the guy who's starting for them right now. Uh, and Bay has moved almost seemingly to a permanent bench role. I think you can drop him again or schedule stream him when Atlanta has a good spot. Jalen Johnson, you're in a nice firm hold posture. That's a pretty easy call to make. Cavaliers, another good one for Max Struess. He's sitting around top 65 value on the year, so keep rolling there. His field goal percent has now uh, finally started to come up where we kind of knew it would after a very slow start. 
Uh, loving the rebounds. I did not expect that out of Struess. It's why I didn't draft him anywhere. But it's also why I picked him up every single place early in the year, and they've sort of kept up to this point. But Karis LeVert is, is honestly, the new man on campus here. We've been watching him, and he's been looking good. And I just kept wondering, like, is there a way we could get that field goal percent up into the low 40s instead of the high 30s? Could we get the free throw up into the low to mid-70s instead of the high 60s? And, you know, this ballgame gives confidence that maybe that's a possibility so I think Levert needs to be on rosters. Uh, he's number 90 in 9-cat right now, despite the bad percentages. That's how good he's been in other stuff. And he's a great handcuff in case Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell takes a game off ever. So start him. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Jaron Allen is still on a minutes cap, we heard. Um, so there's, I guess, a little bit of a buy-low window there if you want. I don't know how long the minutes cap's going to be. They called it sort of undetermined length, meaning... Like, if you buy low, you might be dealing with this for a while. We just don't really know. And now let's play the did we forget about any teams that didn't play Saturday or Sunday part of the proceedings. Charlotte, we talked about. Washington, we talked about. Philly, Detroit, Brooklyn, Boston, Minnesota, San Antonio, New Orleans, Houston, Utah. That's one of them. So we got to talk about Utah. And we got to talk about Sacramento. Those are the two teams. All right, let's scroll down to Utah so you guys can see the Jazz numbers. There they are. Uh, Jordan Clarkson had one of his better games, but, you know, like, people are more than willing to forget the terrible ones when he puts up the good one. He's not inside the top 200. Boo! Ochai Abaji is kind of interesting right now. Um, now I don't know what the Jazz are going to do when Walker Kessler gets back from his elbow thing. My guess is that he comes back into the starting lineup. And Abaji probably goes to the bench. That pushes Markin into power forward or Collins power forward and Markin into small forward. Um, so the Abaji thing is probably shorter term. The longer term thing here still seems to be Keontae George, who had a terrible shooting game, uh, two for 12, but had 11 assists. And that's basically his job right now. Just distribute. Do your best impression of Mike Conley from last year without the ability to space the floor quite so well. And this is why George probably belongs on rosters, because if you can get a full-term point guard that just goes out there and collects assists and tries not to screw things up too bad, that's a guy that we need to see what happens. Now, if the percentages stink, and if he doesn't get enough steals or threes or whatever, then maybe he doesn't end up getting inside the top 130. But, I mean, 11 assists is hard to ignore. So get on him, roto, sit on him, head-to-head, play him, see what happens. That's my take on Utah. And then Sacramento was the other one we were talking about. The Kings, Kevin Herter had a big ball game here. Um, Keegan Murray exploded, and there are more of those coming. De'Aaron Fox is currently listed as doubtful, but he did participate in five-on-five, so he's getting close, meaning this Malik Monk point guard thing is probably not going to last that much longer. Um, It is kind of what he does off the bench anyway, but 29 minutes is much higher than what he was seeing when Fox was healthy. And for Monk, uh, that probably drops him from a must-play guy more to like a schedule stream level guy. Uh, Still good enough to play some of the time, but not quite all of the time. I think the biggest note on the uh, the Kings is that if you can still buy on Keegan Murray, I would do it. Even after this big ball game, I still think he goes higher than that this year. And that is your look back. Now let's look forward. A short four-game Monday before we see if we have any time to answer a question or two. Eh, maybe, maybe not. 
with another show coming up later today. We might just do a couple of questions and then kind of call it. For New York, and again, the thing is we talked about all these teams already, so I guess this part we can do pretty quick. For the Knicks, just a reminder, Josh Hart and R.J. Barrett are the two guys that we've been talking about. For Boston, nothing. Washington, the whole damn roster. Kuzma's a sell high. Gafford's always hurt, so maybe a little bit of a buy low. Tyus Jones, maybe a small buy low. Jordan Poole, I don't know that I want anything to do with it. Avdia feels like kind of this consistent middling guy. That's fine. Toronto, we just talked about. Pirtle, Chicago, kind of nobody unless you want to call Levine a little bit of a buy low. I guess Kobe White, someone you could watch. I just, I still don't believe that his stripes are going to change. Milwaukee, uh, Brooke Lopez is probably the guy you're paying attention to there. Cleveland, Lavert, Struess, Jared Allen, and then the Kings we just talked about. Uh, if Fox is still out, I guess you could talk about Herder doing more stuff, but mostly Malik Monk. Uh, and can Sacramento get a couple wins in a row? Uh, they did. They actually have two in a row. Can they get a third without their fearless leader? All right, that leaves us about six minutes for questions or so, so let's scroll all the way to the top, and there were a lot of them, and I'll try to do just the first handful before I take a break from talking for a minute. Brian says, who's the better ad for the week, Kobe White or Skylar Mays? I'm probably going Skylar Mays on that one. Uh, it's just a belief in Kobe White thing, although I admit I haven't looked at schedule yet. Uh, let's see, what do we got? Make sure I've got the same number of games for these two teams. How many games do these clubs have? Uh, Blazers have four. Bulls have four. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go Skylar Mays. Is Derek Lively 10-team rosterable? No, I don't think so. Is it Tyus Jones' drop season? Not yet. Not yet. Hey, Brandon Marcus. What's up, dude? How close are we to Clay being a drop in 10-team head-to-head? Very close. 12, I think you got to sort of hang on forever. 10, you know, he was in the 60s in rank last year. And in 10-teamers, you're sort of looking to start anybody that's inside, like, the top 80, uh, 85, maybe, 90 at sort of the deepest Um you know, there's a chance he doesn't get back to 60. So I would say close, but not yet there. Troy asks, does my Gordon Hayward for Jordan Poole make sense? Um, Yeah, that's not a terrible idea. I mean, it's a trade where you're hoping you're selling high and buying low at the same time. Is there a chance that Poole is terrible all year? Yes. Is there a chance that Gordon Hayward continues to be, you know, top 80 to 100 range even after Miles Bridges comes back? Yeah, there's a chance that Hayward doesn't completely fall off the map. That's very true. But he's at 56 right now. Uh, you know 2.4 defensive stats is not going to hold for Hayward. So that number's coming down. Bridges is going to take a little bit away. Best case scenario for Hayward is that he stays inside the top 80. And in all likelihood, he probably falls a little farther than that. So if you can afford to, to lose a guy who's in the 80s, and take a shot on Poole, who maybe if things go crazy, he can get into that 50-60 range. It's not a terrible idea. Um, I'm afraid of Jordan Poole. I admit that personally. I'd have trouble pulling this off. But I think this is actually a relatively like, well-thought-out buy-low-sell-high combo. Trey Jones or Keontae George? Uh, I'll go Trey Jones on that one. I still think that at some point the Spurs are going to let him play more and maybe even start. I think it's possible that the Spurs are, like, low-key tanking by playing goofball lineups and saying this is something we're doing. 
Just saying, like, that way at the end of the year, they don't have to force Wembenyama into fighting for a play-in spot. People went crazy when the Spurs won, like, one game middle two weeks ago. They've lost five in a row. They're not going to be good yet, guys. It's going to take time. Mo Wagner, Skyler Mays, or Jordan Hawkins all holds through this week? Kind of depends on who else is out there, doesn't it? Because uh, Wagner is a dice roll. Hawkins is a dice roll. Mays, if anybody comes back, would be a dice roll. I think Skylar Mays is your one truly safe guy in that group. Dan, how do you view Austin Reeves' rest of season? Reddish is on the wire. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want Cam Reddish for Austin Reeves. Austin got off to a terrible start. He's been sort of leveling off here. I still expect his field goal percent to come up from 43.5 to probably high 40s, and that should get him inside the top 100. So, no, you're, uh, you're definitely sticking with Austin Reeves. Duncan Robinson, Emmanuel Quickly, or Karis LeVert to stream this week. Now i got to go back and look at schedules again. You guys are hurting me here with the schedule thing. Uh, where did I just lose that page to? Cavaliers have four. Uh, Knicks and Heat were the other two teams that were being asked about. The Knicks have four. The Heat have three. So he's out. So it comes down to Quickly. Or Lavert, I think I'll go Lavert. Do you think Reith will see an uptick in minutes? I don't. You know me and young players. Also, he's not even available in a lot of uh, leagues. Like Yahoo and ESPN haven't even added him to the board. So my answer to that is a fairly resounding no. He played 14 minutes. Blazers are missing everybody and like i don't know like how does that get to 30 it doesn't couple more questions would you trade zion to get on yeka and either suggs or jalen green yeah i mean i don't want zion on my team so if you're not punting free throws this is an easy yes if you're punting free throws then you probably stick with zion should i trade maxi for larry markinen no I'll keep Tyrese Maxey there. Markin has been great. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, like, Maxey could fall behind him, but I don't think that it's guaranteed. So I, I think I'd rather just take more Maxey. Nope, that's the same question written a different way. Uh, D'Anthony Melton, Killian Hayes, Kobe White, Denny Avia. Which would you say is a must roster in a 10-team Roto League? None? Um, Avdia and Melton would be the closest of those four. Ryan says, dope shirt. Where'd you get it? Oh, my shirt says Fantasy Nerds. Shout out uh, to Robin Marks, who actually sent me this shirt as a thank you for coming on his podcast, which is like the kindest thing ever. What's his handle? I think it's Believe in Fantasy. He's the host of the Believe in Fantasy Basketball podcast. Yeah. B-L-E-A-V-I-N Fantasy. Robin Mark, send me this shirt. He can probably give you the link, and you can probably go buy one. It's sweet. There's like five or six cool designs they've got over there. This is just the one that I thought was the best, kind of because this dude could be me. To those listening, there is a nerd on the shirt, and the nerd somewhat resembles yours truly. I won field goal percent by .3 despite LaMelo, Poole, and Giddy. Congratulations, your opponent was awful. Would you trade SGA for Joel Embiid? No, I would not. I, I was drafting 
I was drafting SGA over Embiid in a lot of formats because I decided I wanted to go a little bit safer on the health early. Um, and though both those guys are going to be at the top of the board, so whatever. Morality stuff aside, what do you think Bridges' rank is going forward? Um, hard to say. I mean, I know they said they're going to use him a lot, but he also hasn't played basketball in forever. So it's hard to see him getting all the way back to, you know, a couple years ago. Remember, he was like a top 40 guy a few years ago. I think you could see him pretty easily get inside the top 80, though. Would you trade Claxton and Austin Reeves to get Darius Garland and Zach Collins? That's a fair trade, Den. That's a fair trade. Claxton and Garland, people value somewhat similarly. Claxton's going to be probably better ranked in 9-cad. Garland gives you more of the, the guard stats. And then Reeves and Collins are somewhat similarly ranked. I think I'd probably prefer the Claxton-Reeves side because I'm lower on Darius Garland than most people are. Uh, but Darius is going to get up into the 50 range, and Claxton will probably... Where the hell is Nick now? He's only played two games, so it's hard to see what he's going to be. He's number 22, but it's limited sample. He's probably going to be inside the top 40. Reeves and Zach Collins are probably going to be around 100. Fair trade. Take the stats you like. Is Mitchell Robinson a buy low? He's starting the season with minimal stocks. Please don't use the term stocks. It's silly. Um... His blocks come up, but more than anything for Mitchell Robinson, he's shooting 52%. So, yes, he is a buy low because that 52% shooting probably gets up to, like, 65. Low 60s at the very least. Um, he's taking more free throws than he did last year, which is bad for him. So that number may also come down. But everything else is basically where we need it to be. So, yes, buy on Mitchell Robinson. And now, because we just hit the one-hour mark, I'm going to see if I can find one or two questions that I like a lot and we'll we'll do that can miles bridges be top 50 um i don't think so but i do think he'll be nine cat 12 team play i just again i don't want to root for him so i'm not picking him up let's see what do we got here uh do 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 i know Someone said it's not Kulibali, it's Kulibali. Okay, fair enough. That's why I call him Bilal most of the time. You know what's funny is I actually Googled how to pronounce Kulibali, and the thing said Kulibali. I Googled it, and it was wrong. Son of a bee. This is what I get for watching a YouTube on how to pronounce a player's name. Can't trust anybody these days. As a broadcaster, that was actually really important to me. I Google how to pronounce anytime I get to a name I don't know. And I count on the universe helping me, but the universe stunk. So thanks, Brooks. Um, do you think the uptick... No. Well, yeah, sure. All right, well, let's do this one on Bam Adebayo because we haven't talked that much about Bam. He's just so consistent. Question on whether his blocks uptick sticks. He's at 1.4 blocks this year. Usually he's a little bit under one. Um, it could is the answer. Like, sometimes guys just have an uptick some year, and... We can't really explain why. I, if I had to guess, I would say it probably peters out a tad. Um, but it's not a guarantee because he did have he had a season, uh, the COVID season, where he was at 1.3. So it's not completely insane to think that he could block 1.4. Even if it comes down, it might only come down to like 1.2, 1.3. So it could stick. And right now he's scoring a crap ton uh, because his shots are higher than ever. Because the Heat basically lost guys and didn't get anybody back. Also, Jimmy Butler's been taking fewer shots than usual so far this year. He's been kind of deferring a tad. So this 
this could just be a slightly better BAM season where he's more like a 20s-ranked player instead of 30s. Enjoy it. I don't think you need to, like, sell high or anything there. And uh, sorry, I know there's, like, 900 other questions, but that's where I got to pull the plug. Um, an hour and four minutes is about what I can handle, and we'll wrap things up. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We got another show later today with the great Derek Ball. We'll be previewing week four. That'll air around 2 o'clock Pacific time. Like, subscribe on your way out of this joint, however you are taking in the podcast, and definitely come hang out with me over on social. Again, that is at Dan Bespris, or just Google Dan from Hoopball. Yes, that still comes up faster than Dan from Sports Ethos or Dan from Sports Ethos Twitter. That's an easy way to find it if you don't want to have to spell it. Come hang out with us in Discord. That's in the show description. Uh, sign up for the secret podcast. That's also in the show description. And I'll talk to you guys in a little under four hours from now. So long, everybody.